Witness protection can't erase his past. This is Nailgun Messiah, the first book in the Micah Reed series. One novel, read to you a chapter at a time. Join us each week for a new installment of the story and get the book at jimheskett.com forward slash nailgun podcast. And now, the host and author, Jim Heskett. All my peoples, you have returned to me once again to experience some Nailgun Messiah podcasting, and that's why we're here. I'm Jim, and you're you, and this is the Nailgun Messiah podcast, where I'm reading you one of my novels for free in serialized installments as a podcast. And so uh, that's why we're all here. If you're here for something else, you probably should turn this off now, because that's not whatever it is you're looking for. That's not what we're doing. We're only doing the thing that I just said that we're doing on this show, so... I hope you're in the right place. I'm in the right place. We're going to get into it. And so, um, while we're here, since since I have your have you and I have your attention, I thought I might mention, um, I do another podcast, and I, I don't know if you guys would be into that, but cause it's a little different than this one. I mean, it's, it's similar, but it's different. It's the same thing, but different. So, uh, you know, in this podcast, I'm reading this book, and I have another podcast where I read another book that I wrote, actually. But it's it's a bit different style. That podcast is called Indie Author Answers, and you can search the iTunes store. It's also on Stitcher for Indie Author Answers. Or you can also go to jimheskett.com forward slash Indie Auth. That's I-N-D-I-E-A-U-T-H. Indie Author Answers is a show that I did. Um, it's mostly for writers. So if you are a writer or you want to become a writer or you're really interested in behind-the-scenes kind of stuff like DVD extras for books, um, check out my Indie Author Answers show because on that show I read my v- the very first novel I ever wrote, and it's not a it's not a good novel, <laughs> it's not a good book, but that's not the point. The point is that I read it and I critique it uh, from from a point of experience. Now that it's been several years and I published several books, so I know a lot more about writing craft than I did back then. So on the Indie Author Answers show, I read that book and then I go back through and critique it and point out where all the storytelling flaws are. So if you're into that kind of thing, you can check out that show. Um, but, I mean, if you don't, that's cool. I understand. I get it. Anyway, so let's um, not waste any more time. Let's talk about a reading, what we need to know. If you remember from last time, previously on Nailgun Messiah, Micah and the whole gang, they all went, except for Eagle, everybody went to Lyman Correctional Facility to visit Cyrus, and we met Cyrus for the very first time. And so Micah got his first impressions of Cyrus, that he was he was kind of strange and he was a little menacing, but he was also very calm when he spoke. And then if you remember at the end of that reading, um, Cyrus asked to speak to Shakina, quote-unquote, alone, uh, which Micah thought was strange, and then he figured out it was Shakina is Lila. And so everybody left, and we're going to pick up that reading now with Lila and Cyrus talking. And then there's a scene break. And we're going to read a Micah scene where he, if you remember um, a f- couple shows ago, it was a few days before this where Micah was, uh, he went to an AA meeting and he saw a guy who looked familiar Then he figured out was Father Thomas Benedict, the same man who'd been skulking outside of the house. And Micah didn't speak to him then. So we're going to read up, that's what you need to know for the scene we're going to read for Micah. So let's go ahead and get all this foreplay out of the way and I'm just going to start reading. 
Lila watched the rest of her companions leave the room, then she scooted her chair around the table so she could face Cyrus. She reached her hands across, near his, but not touching so they wouldn't draw attention. Her skin felt at peace, not crawling, not filled with the bugs burrowing and feeding on her cells. A warm kind of energy radiated from Cyrus, and every pore of her flesh drank it a thousand times over. She was whole. I'm looking forward to finally seeing this house you've been telling me about for years, he said. But I was wondering why you kept this visiting day this time, since I'm only here a few more days. I know, but it makes me so happy to see you, she said. And I have so many questions. You can ask me anything you want, Shakina. But don't sit there goggling at me like a fucking idiot. Have some respect for yourself. She fought the urge to cry. He could be so loving in one breath and so cruel in another. His words carried such power that she could feel each one enter her ears individually. Lila sat up straight and pulled her hands back. She sensed the coldness of the distance of their skin, 18 inches apart on the table. Her body cried for it, to be closer to him. The website, it's not doing well. It's not attracting any attention to us like you said it would. I've been unable to get on the news, to get media mentions, or any of the other things we planned. He cocked his head and glared at her, chunks of grayish-black hair falling over one of his eyes. What have you done wrong? A flush came to her cheeks, and an intense desire to cry to release some energy, but she refused to do it. She would not cry in front of him. It wasn't me, she said. I did everything you told me to do. It's just not working. And did you not expect someone would sabotage things? He gritted his teeth and smacked the table, which made a nearby guard jump to attention. Inmate! The guard shouted. One more time and you're done! Cyrus leaned back and raised his hands in a show of surrender. The guard stared him down, then after a few seconds, relaxed. Lila took deep breaths, calmed herself. She didn't want to make Cyrus angry and get him in trouble, not when he was so close to coming home. He leaned forward again, but kept his tone civil. Did you think someone wouldn't be out there telling the news stations and blogs not to write about our website? How could you not know this? She sputtered, not sure what to say about that. He inhaled until his chest rose, lifting his shoulders and then exhaling in a strong push. Damn it, Shakina. Of course they would try to stop us. Why didn't you think of that? How could you so blindly dump our plan out into the woods and not think the wolves would try to tear it limb from limb? She didn't know, and Cyrus's questions rumbled her stomach. She wanted to cry and puke and run to the bathroom to wash her hands. She felt dirty, impure, stupid, inadequate. But then... She thought of the day Eagle had come to her that the Catholic priest from town had been skulking around outside the property. It seemed so simple. Why hadn't she realized it before? I know what happened. What? In Netherland, there's a Catholic priest named Benedict. He's the one who sabotaged the website. It has to be him. Cyrus shook his head. I warned you about moving to such a small town, didn't I? And you had to have that house in the woods. This jab hurt her more than anything. Buying the house in Netherland had been their idea together after the crisis and the arrest in Castle Rock. Still, Cyrus found a way to drop the blame solely on her, put her on the defensive. Why was he so cruel? The house, she said, isn't the problem. No, 
It's not. It's your lack of insight. She had to ignore his barbs. They were meant to test her, to force her into thinking critically, which she obviously hadn't been doing. Put all of it aside and focus on the problem at hand. The saboteur. He had to be stopped. What do I do about the priest? Cyrus thought about it for a few moments as he scratched his sharp nails up and down the dry skin of his forearm, leaving trails of white behind. He can't spread his poison if he's unable. You must ruin him. Destroy his church in some way, then take his power. Then I'll do that. I won't let us down. He tilted his head toward the door. This new one at the house. Micah, what do you think of him? He's a, he's a good student. He, he doesn't cause trouble. Cyrus dipped his head, gave her that severe and incisive look that always cut right through her. But that's not all you think about him, is it? I don't trust him, she said. I only let him stay because he's Magdalene's brother. I thought it would be good for her because she sometimes talked about not being able to see her parents. Cyrus nodded. That's good, because Magda's important and we must keep her faithful. But watch him closely. Do not let him tear the group apart. Until we can spread the truth to the 144,000, they are all we have. You must guard them with everything. Micah began his day with some quiet Bible study before work, as did most of the residents of the house. But for Micah, he flipped pages while his eyes danced over some words, skipping others. While he appeared to be studying the text, today he was mostly decompressing from the prison visit. He hadn't seen anyone he recognized. But if the Colorado Correction System, now having his name and driver's license number in their database, were to lead to trouble, that might not rear its head for weeks or months. He was also thinking about Magda and trying to reconcile what he knew from meeting Cyrus to understand what she might see in him. Was she in love with him the same way Lila was? He hadn't seen her giving him flirty eyes when they'd visit him in the prison. She hadn't even said a word the whole time they were visiting. He couldn't puzzle it out, and he was running out of time regardless. Would the ATF wait until after Cyrus came home before raiding? Maybe, maybe not. Every day that elapsed was another permanent hitch in Micah's resting heart rate. He sipped his coffee at the kitchen table with a view of Hannah in the den. She was sitting in a musty old chair that needed new fabric, staring out the window at the front yard. She did this often, especially in the mornings, waiting for Garrett to return from his night shift. They couldn't hug and kiss when he came in, but she still waited for him. Then she'd throw him a little glance before scurrying off to get ready for work. How hard this must have been for the both of them, knowing that baby growing inside her would get them ejected from the house. And had she been sneaking off for her doctor's appointments, or was she skipping them, praying for a miscarriage that would solve all their problems? Micah shook his head. Hannah and Garrett weren't his responsibility. He needed to focus on Magda, and Magda alone. How to get her out of this house before Rodney and his ATF buddies decided to raid the place, to find whatever they were looking for. Garrett came in through the front door and winked at Hannah quickly before rushing upstairs to the bathroom. Micah caught a hint of a smile on her face. He closed his Bible and dropped his empty coffee mug in the kitchen sink, then slipped on his heavy coat, gloves, and hat before leaving. March in Netherland could be painfully cold and the snow had been dumping non-stop the last couple days. Good for the ski resort close by, but bad getting from the front yard to Caribou Road sometimes. 
since his poor old Honda Accord didn't have four-wheel drive. At least Garrett's fat truck tires padded down the snow each morning returning from work. His workday was the usual slogs it had been for the nearly three weeks he'd been here. He'd stand at his post, help customers with questions about power saws and vice grips, deflect looks from co-workers who knew he lived in the religious freak house, and endure the silent treatment from Magda. At least she still hadn't told Lila about printing out the info from her computer. Or, maybe she had, and Lila was waiting for the right time to do something about it. After work, he stopped by the AA clubhouse on the second floor of the strip mall next door and waited for the meeting. Being in this room with its printed AA slogans on the wall, like One Day at a Time, Live and Let Live, and Easy Does It made him feel at home. A little bit of constancy and tradition in the hectic and unpredictable world he lived in. He dropped two quarters in the donation cup to pour himself a cup of watery coffee and sat at the back of the room with his AA book, the one they called the Big Book. Waited for people to start showing up. This was his Bible study, except without all the commands and judgment. Just a bunch of drunks talking about how they stayed sober one day at a time. He was alone for a few minutes, but a couple people came in soon after he finished his coffee. One of them he recognized, the priest from the other day. Micah had scurried out after that meeting, so they still hadn't spoken. But the priest fixed all that when he walked on a path through the chairs to Micah. Micah's fight-or-flight response wanted to trigger, but he stayed calm, reclined in his seat. Hi, the priest said. I'm Thomas Benedict. I usually go by Benedict. Micah remembered the name from the printouts because Lila had been searching for him on the internet. I'm Micah. I usually go by Micah. Benedict smiled and pulled the chair close. The man had a calm and soothing demeanor and Micah got that blink-test sense that he could be trusted. But he'd wait to see what the priest had to say for himself before passing judgment. How long have you been sober, Benedict said. Almost five months. Benedict nodded. I do remember those days. Sober long enough that you're not hanging on by a thread anymore, but trying to live in the normal world without booze is still a stressful notion. Like attempting to put a puzzle together when you're not sure if you have all the right pieces. Micah flexed his jaw, wasn't going to show his hand. Is the world not stressful for you? Benedict smiled again, but this time he looked uneasy. You seem guarded, Micah. I'm trying to figure you out, Benedict. I saw you about a week ago snooping around outside the house at 1623 Caribou. What were you doing out there? The Lord's work. Oh yeah, Micah said. What did the Lord want you to do around the back of the house? He sent me there to help someone, Benedict said. It didn't work out the way I'd hoped, but I had to try. Oh, you got lucky then. A cop lives in the house, and he could have easily slapped some cuffs on you for trespassing, or taken your head off with his baseball bat. Benedict sat back and breathed for a moment. Maybe so. Can I make an observation, Micah? Knock yourself out. You don't seem like the kind of person who belongs there with those people. Micah smiled. Why do you think that? Benedict glanced around the room. Well, you're here at an AA meeting, for one. I heard you share in the last one. I don't think you're at that house for the same reason as the rest of them. Micah studied Benedict before answering. The more this man talked, the fewer reasons Micah could think of to be suspicious of him. Clearly, he was no friend to Lila. Why would she be searching for him on the internet? Since he was a Catholic priest, did she consider him to be a rival for the religious attention of the town?
Maybe I'm not one of the sheep, Micah said. Maybe I'm there for something else entirely. Then you can help, Benedict said. Help with what? Benedict paused as a couple more people filtered into the room. He lowered his voice and leaned closer to Micah. Lila Wentworth. You know her, correct? Micah nodded. I don't like to think of people as being good or bad, because it's not always so simple. But this woman? She's the definition of a bad person. Their group used to be in Castle Rock many years ago. The government raided their house in the leader, a man who goes by Cyrus, although his real name is Vincent Hewitt, went to jail for manslaughter because he collapsed a structure on top of some FBI agents. Micah had known some of this, but not why Cyrus was in jail. That was something anyone in the house had never spoken about. Why did the FBI raid their house? Benedict shook his head. I don't know. But I read that during the trial, they tried to charge him with some kind of illegal weapons dealings, but he could not make the charges stick. Weapons dealing. That explained why Rodney and his ATF team wanted to raid the house again. And it also let Micah in on his biggest advantage so far. Lila was sloppy. If the government had raided once, they should be wary of it happening again. Instead, they let Rodney infiltrate their organization and move in, all without figuring him out. Or, Lila wasn't sloppy and she already knew about Rodney. Maybe she was keeping him close to keep the ATF at bay. If Lila did know about Rodney, she was a marvelous actress. It seemed unlikely. Lila lost an appeal, Benedict said. Cyrus went to prison and she has been unstable ever since. She came here to Netherland to rebuild after kicking everyone else out of the group. Everyone except for this person who calls himself Eagle. You've done your homework, Micah said. It's all there on the internet, easy to find. Does she let you have internet access at the house? Micah shook his head. I'm not surprised. A few more people joined them. The meeting would start in a few minutes. The chatter around them wasn't loud enough to cover their voices, so Micah leaned close to Benedict. Why are you telling me all this? What is it you want my help with? Benedict ran a hand through his hair. Micah, we need to get every single person out of that house. Get them far away. One of them has come to me for help, but there's little I can do for her from the outside. All of this was too much for Micah to process. The her Benedict had mentioned must have been Hannah. Made sense that she'd want to flee with her impending exile due to illicit pregnancy. But the hard truth was that Hannah wasn't Micah's problem. Garrett and Hannah had been given a raw deal, but ultimately he only cared about getting Magda out. If Hannah and Garrett leaving caused trouble for Magda, then that would ruin any hope he had of success. He'd have to prioritize Magda's safety above all others. The meeting's chairperson called for everyone to take their seats, and the conversations died down as everyone shuffled into the chairs. I'm sorry, Benedict. I don't think I can help you. I need to keep my side of the street clean first. Benedict sat back, defeated. I understand. But I do hope you'll change your mind. He stood, tapped the back of the chair a couple times, then sauntered across the room to find a seat. Okay, everybody, that is our reading for this week. Um, got in some interesting backstory on Lila and Cyrus in the house there. 
and we got to see a little more of Cyrus's true side, some of his true colors when he was alone with Lila or Shakina to talk to her. Um, if about halfway through the the uh, the reading today you heard some scuffling in the background, that was my dog rushing down to the basement saying, "Dad, Dad, 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 it's time for my walk, Dad, Dad, Dad." So. Um, since I'm keeping him, I better go take care of that. And thanks everybody for listening. And I'll see you again in just a couple days. All right, take care. Thanks for listening to this week's installment of Nailgun Messiah. Be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes and tell your friends about it. Don't deprive them of this show. Go to www.jimheskit.com forward slash nailgunpodcast for information. And we'll see you next week.